Hey everybody, welcome to Encuentro. It's, uh, it's a little late. This uh, episode's being uploaded uh, really late. Uh, I had a couple errands that I had to run today and um, <clears throat> a couple doctor visits uh, uh, earlier. Um, but I just, I just wanted to, you know, keep the, uh, the momentum going, if you will. Uh, you know, I've been on hiatus from from uh, podcasting for, for such a long time for uh, health reasons and I, I'd really like to be able to, you know, to, to do this again. So uh, let's begin with the prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. The uh, gospel reading for today, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, gospel passage. I, uh, it's one of my favorites. You know, it's, uh, it's the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. You know, it's from uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Uh, that very day of the week, the uh, first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had taken place. And it happened that while they were talking and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to Jesus in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place in these days? He said to them, What sort of things? And they said to him, The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, you know. It was a prophet mighty indeed and in word before God and all the people. And our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. We were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's now the third day since this took place. Some of the women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman had described. But him, they did not see. And Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Is it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them, what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost done. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he vanished from their sight. But then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? 
So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised. He has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, um, I don't ordinarily do an episode with uh, two readings or both readings for uh, Mass for the Day. But uh, the readings for today are just too awesome to pass by. You know, uh, I totally love not just the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, but the first reading that we have today. So uh, I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to read it too. It's from the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and it's from uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> Peter and John were going up to the temple area for the 3 o'clock hour of prayer. And a crippled man from birth was carried and placed at the gate of the temple called <coughs> the Beautiful Gate. Uh, every day to beg for alms from the people who entered the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. But Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and he said, Look at us. So he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles grew strong. He leaped up, stood and walked around and went into the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the one who used to sit begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with amazement and astonishment at what had happened to him. <coughs> As I said, you know, I ordinarily, you know, for purposes of brevity, uh, don't do both readings. But, you know, these two readings of today are just so amazing. And I, I totally love both of them. I, you know, I've used them for classes, for retreats, for recollections, for talks. And I, I use them for my personal prayer and, and reflection, you know, whenever, whenever I'm able. You know, um, obviously, I, I can't go into... Uh, too much detail right now because the readings these two readings are just so rich you know there's just so many so many ideas in them um, so many points for reflection um, even in terms of you know a scholarship there's so much that you can you can dig and mine in these readings okay so i'm not going to go into detail but you know perhaps in the future you know we can dedicate an episode or even several episodes uh to these uh two readings because as i said you know they're just amazing and exceedingly rich in terms of points for reflection and, and prayer mm -hmm. uh, so there's a crippled man a crippled man who asks the apostle peter and john for alms you know in the first reading and having no money to give him they instead give him something uh, worth far more they give him jesus healing and he walks jumps around and, and praises God you know it's an amazing act of healing performed by the disciples in, in Jesus name something so lovely and amazing 
in those words of Peter, you know, and John, you know, silver and gold we do not have. Silver and gold we do not have. You know, as a, as a kid, one thing that drew me to the vocation of the priesthood and the religious life um, was the simplicity that I saw. You know, first, in the Marist brothers, you know, in, in grade school, they educated me in grade school, and the Franciscan Capuchin fathers, you know, in high school. <clears throat> um, th- there was something about their simple way of living, of speaking, of engaging with us, you know, their students, that made such a tremendous impression on me. I, I think I'll remember it to the day I die, you know. I'm not simply talking about the fact that they lived simple, you know, uh, lives, uh, to borrow a, a, a word that is uh, a favorite of Socrates, the father of, you know, philosophy, you know. They live an unadorned life, you know, an, an unadorned life. You know, it's, uh, so they did, but, but I'm not just referring to that. I'm also referring to their simplicity of manner, of word, you know, of action. Um, what I remember about these men, you know, the, the Marist brothers and the Capuchin fathers, um, was there was no pretense in them. Uh, there was no affectation you know, there's no showiness. You know, what you see is what you get. You know, I will never forget that afternoon when, you know, or maybe it was the morning, I think it was a morning class. You know, when I think the seed of vocation, you know, to the priesthood, or the religious life was, was perhaps first sowed in my young heart. Uh, I was, I think, in first grade. I think it was first grade. Or maybe second grade. One of the two. And uh, one of the Marist brothers, they were such nice people, you know, came to see us in class to talk about, you know, his life, you know, uh, his work, his vocation. Um, we, of course, had no idea what, what that was all about. You know, we were too young. All we knew was that they were great guys. And, you know, they were very friendly to their, their students. So this particular Marist brother, he talked about Jesus, you know, and what he did, uh, a bunch of other things I, I can't really remember anymore. Uh, but also, you know, even as a kid, I was a bit of a, you know, uh, I was a smart aleck even back then, you know, uh, you know, open mouth and start foot, but you know, not, not quite. But uh, so at the end of his talk, when he asked us if he had, if we, if any of us had any questions, I, I raised my hand. I always got into trouble with, you know, with teachers and especially, the, the, you know, there was, we had some nuns who were teaching us back then. Uh, but I raised my hand and, and, and he says, yes, yes, you know, uh, what's your question? So I said, um, so you, can you guys say mass? <laughs> he, he, that kind of stopped him and he, he smiled, you know, he smiled and, and, and then he just said, well, no, we're brothers, you know, we don't say mass. Priests do. You know, and he said that with a, with a, with with a smile and with such a, a you know a simple, again you know unpretentious in a simple and unpretentious manner that I will I will never forget that exchange. You know, I don't recall what happened afterwards, but but the simplicity of his answer, you know, without trying to, you know, be 
you know, showy about anything. It's like, you know, he could have said, well, you know, we don't celebrate Mass, but this is what we do. No, no, no. He just said, well, no, we don't. The priests do, you know. Um, it made such an impression on my young mind. I think, I think that was the moment when, you know, the vocation and simplicity, at least for me, became inextricably entwined. You know, with the Capuchins, it was a it was a Spanish priest, you know, who used to always sit in one of the pews on the side of the the church, the school at a big church, you know, Saint Francis, uh, who made such a great impression on me. You know, he would always sit there on the kind of the right side of the church, near the uh, near one of the side doors, and I used I used to drop by the church. Yeah, I was a pious kid. I used to drop by the church after class. You know, in the afternoons while waiting for the school bus to uh, to pick us up, and I just sit there and pray a couple minutes. You know, uh, Father Julian, that was his name. You know, uh, I noticed he would always be there at about the same time in the afternoon. You know, <coughs> sitting there, his eyes closed. You know, praying. You know, in his brown Franciscan capuchin uh, outfit, you know? uh, and um, his habit. And uh, one afternoon, I was done with my prayers, and I was heading out. Uh, and as I said, you know, I would pass by the side door, and that's kind of like where the pew is where he sits. So he opened his eyes, and he smiles at me, and then he motions, you know, to me to come over, and, and, and then, you know, asks me to sit right next to him. So I did. And then, and then he says to me, um, what's your name? So I, I told him my name. He says, well... I just wanted to know, you know, uh, I, I, I see you here uh, in the afternoons. Um, why do you come here? He says, why, why, why do you come here in the afternoons? Uh, I said, well, I'm waiting for the school bus. And, you know, I just figured I'd, you know, pray before I go home, Father. Uh, that's what I told him. And he, then he says to me, and then he says to me, something that I, I will never forget. He says, well, it's, that's very nice of you to visit Jesus and his mother. That's very nice of you to visit Jesus and his mother. You know, I also noticed that you stopped by her altar, he said to me. And there was an icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help on the right side, you know, of the church. Uh, and I used to pass by it right before I leave, you know. Um, there was such a simplicity to his question you know, and to his quip about visiting Jesus and, and the Blessed Mother. You know, again, same thing. It, it made such an impression on my young mind. You know, something deep inside me uh, was triggered, if you will. Something that almost said, like, I want that. And I want that. That's, that's something that I kind of want. It's probably why I've always loved and been drawn to the words of Peter, you know, in, in the reading from Acts. Silver and gold we do not have. You know, silver and gold we do not have. But what's even more amazing, you know, are the words that follow. You know, because he says, what I do have, what I do have, I give you. You know, he was giving not out of his surplus or excess but out of the very little that he had 
not silver, not gold. He, he didn't have that. But then it turns out that the little that he had was greater than all the treasures of the universe put together. And that's, that's a sublime, I mean, there's such a simplicity to the words of Peter, but it's a simplicity that is so deep, that is so profound, you know, and so magnificent. It might as well be bigger than the universe itself. You know, there's, 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 there's those things in, in life, you know, that paradoxically are both so simple and yet so magnificent. And this particular reading from the Acts of the Apostles and the words of Peter, I think they capture that. You know, that kind of reality. Because what he was giving this man, this crippled beggar, was none other than Jesus himself. He was giving him God. You know, I've always thought that this encounter and the exchange summarizes in a very profound way what the life of a disciple of Jesus is meant to be, you know? And what my life as a priest should be. It's a life that's characterized, circumscribed. I hope you don't mind me using a bigger word. Circumscribed by an utter simplicity. You know, in in manner of speech, in expression, uh, in thought and in action. And not simplistic, okay? Not simplistic, that's different. But simple. (coughs) (coughs) Unadorned, as Socrates says. Unadorned. No affectation, no showiness, no glamour, no pretension, you know. Nothing but the unvarnished reality of things. That is what I give you. That's what Peter was saying. I'm not giving you any, something that glitters. I don't have that. But what I have, I give to you. And then he says... In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, walk. Walk. Peter was giving this crippled man, you know, the greatest gift that he could receive. The gift of healing and wholeness. And it wasn't silver and gold. It was something so profoundly simple. In philosophy, you know, in philosophy, uh, we are taught that one of the chief characteristics of God, God Himself, is simplicity. Simplicity. But this life, okay? This life of Peter and John and the apostles, the life of a disciple, the life of a priest, is also a life of total and complete generosity. And so Peter says, 
I may not have silver and gold, but what I have, I give to you. So basically, we're saying, I don't have much, but everything I have, I, I give to you. I don't hold anything back. I keep nothing to or for myself. I don't calculate. I'm not interested in a transaction. I'm not interested in what you can give back to me. I don't care if I will be noticed. I don't care if I'm affirmed. I don't care if I'm appreciated. It'd be nice. But at the end of the day, that is not what matters. And that is not why I give you. That is not why I give. That is not why I live my life. That is not why I am a disciple. That is not why I am a priest. I just give. And I give completely. In philosophy, you know, there is a term for that. It's called altruism. You know, from the word alter. The Latin alter. Another, you know, altruism. It's the opposite of egoism. And what does one get in return for altruism? You know, for, for giving without calculating or counting the cost. Just happiness. Just the joy of giving. That is reward in itself. You know, a, a lot of people sometimes don't understand that. You know, um, it, it's, it's one of those sad things that, you know, I, I've encountered in, in life. You know, you're enjoying yourself, you're, you're, you're giving yourself 100% to something, you're, you're just completely immersed in what you're doing. And then, you know, there would always be people who would wonder, it's like, well, why are you doing what you're doing? What are you getting out of it? Well, isn't joy treasure enough? Isn't being happy with what you're doing reward enough? It is. It is. You know? And that's why the disciples gave. That's why a priest is asked to give. That is why a disciple is asked to give. And that is why a disciple finds supreme joy simply in giving. You know? You know, the words of St. Francis, it is in giving that we receive. What do you receive? Joy. The joy of what? The joy of giving. A lot of people don't understand that. You know? As a philosopher says, you know, doing good is its own reward. And lastly, and most importantly, you know, what Peter and John are basically saying, so what I give to you is not myself. What I give to you is Jesus. You know, and so they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, get up and walk. You know, that is what they gave, their most important possession the greatest treasure, the only thing that a disciple truly has, and nothing more. You know, a disciple doesn't have anything more. I got nothing more. I got nothing less. Only Jesus, just Jesus. So simple, and yet so amazingly profound.
know, with a greatness that surpasses anything in the created universe. You know, and these three, you know, become the instruments of healing for the crippled man. Their simplicity, their generosity, and Jesus, their treasure. These become the instruments of healing for the crippled man. Through Peter and John, who themselves become instruments, make me an instrument of your peace, says St. Francis. This is how we become instruments. An unadorned instrument. An instrument that allows itself to be used completely. And an instrument that is merely a conduit. That's what really a disciple is, especially a priest. A conduit, a pathway for God's grace, for God's generosity, and for God's healing. That's what we disciples are. That's what we priests are. We're just instruments. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me your instrument. Of course, the gospel account of the two disciples' you know, journey to Emmaus presents us with a different kind of healing miracle. You know? One that allowed them to recognize Jesus, who all the while was walking with them. You know, yesterday it was Mary, she couldn't recognize Jesus, and today it's the two disciples you know, on the road to Emmaus who couldn't recognize Jesus. They were perhaps, just like Mary, blinded by grief, you know. And so they simply couldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead and was actually walking right next to them. How could you believe something like that? But at the breaking of the bread, you know, they finally saw him. You know, like I said earlier, there is so much richness to both these readings that, you know, we can spend hours and days and weeks just you know, uh, unpacking, you know, the tremendous richness in both of these readings. So we can't, unfortunately, not for a brief podcast. But the breaking of the bread, they did see him. It's probably the memory of their final supper with him when he gave them, you know, his body and his blood that, that lifted that veil of grief, you know that had hovered over them. Our greatest treasure as disciples, as Christians, is as priests, is none other than Jesus himself. You know? Our relationship with him, our faith with him, and our dependence on his abiding presence. The world will not understand. And we don't have to make it understand. And St. Francis says, you know, grant that I may seek not to be understood, but to understand. Now, there's another line in Scripture that uh, I, I love. Again, you know, it's for another podcast, but 
He says, you are a peculiar people. You are a peculiar people. The disciples of Jesus are peculiar. Why? In the eyes of the world, we will be. Because they won't understand. You know? Why we're happy with what we do. Why our simplicity of life. Why our unadorned existence. Is something we find joyful. They won't understand. And they don't have to. And we don't have to make them understand. We simply have to live our faith and our life the best way we can. That is the best way to witness to the joy that we have in doing what we are asked to do by the Lord. The disciples had no money to give to the crippled beggar. But they had something far greater. The power of Jesus that resides in those who put their trust completely in Him. These aren't just words. They're not just beautiful words. They're real. Flesh and blood real. The greatest treasure one can possess. And it's a power that heals, that liberates, that frees us from whatever things hinder us from recognizing the presence of Jesus in all the events and circumstances of our life, including in the case of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the grief, the pain, and the sorrow that they felt in their heart after having lost their friend. In the Acts of the Apostles, Peter and John give to the crippled beggar the greatest treasure they possess. In the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they rediscover that treasure. It was right there standing before them, walking with them, explaining the scriptures to them, and finally revealing himself as he does to us every time we are at Mass in the breaking of the bridge. 